You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. This, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. Radio. This is session 152. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. 152, Mike. 152. It, what do you think? Going. I just, I just love it. I'm glad the Father has not given up on us yet. Uh, no. <laughs> He's the God of 152 chances. <laughs> We're proving uh-huh. that. What's going on? How's your week been? Oh, uh, it's uh, going okay. Yeah. Riding the wave. Uh, I thought you were off the wave. Uh, you <laughs> back, back on the wave? I'm back on the wave. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll have to get something. What about some you? Substance later, and well, you know, I'm uh, chilling, chilling. <laughs> we got a special guest in the studio tonight. He's sitting in, uh, Mark Sinclair. Hey, yeah, Mark, welcome. Yes. Yay! If you if you've listened to our sessions, uh, Mark, uh, I turn that on, Mike, and Mark, a, so you can is a it uh, definitely helped push me to start and then I had talked to him about everything else, but he definitely was the one that helped get me going. And I'm just so thankful for that because here it is almost five years later and father has been blessing God's stories radio all along. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, absolutely. Just amazing. I've been blessed to know his wife for many years and uh, have had a, a wonderful friendship with her and now as an extension of that friendship, getting to know you. So it's been, it's been great. You know, I've really been enjoying it. We've been taking a fun-filled, action-packed Bible study every, yes. every week with uh, Francis Chan. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one right there. Oh, buddy. It will challenge you. you see there what? is no doubt about it. It's a two-by-four. Hey, you ain't lying. <laughs> that, that mic's on there, Mark, so yeah. you can feel free to pipe up. Okay. <laughs> Well, we got some shout-outs. I know we do. We do. We do. On the Facebook likes, we have Savannah Schultz that uh, liked us on Facebook. Oh, thank you, Savannah. We appreciate that so very much. Thank you. And then we have uh, Gael Labaki who liked us on Facebook. Gael Labaki. Yes. Man, I'm loving these names. I know. Cool. Beautiful. Name. But thank, thank you for you. liking us on Facebook. And anybody else out there who listens to God Stories Radio and has not yet liked us on Facebook, please do. Amen to that. Do we have any new countries or regions? Well, I, we do. I think Instead we of do. a shout out of, uh, you know, regions that listen, we do have number 79. Wow. And that new country is Guatemala. Guatemala. That's awesome. Oh, holy smokeazoids. <laughs> smokeazoids? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I'm just blown away what the father's doing. Absolutely. 
And anybody out there the in country Guatemala, a thank you for listening to God Stories yeah, Radio. Thank you, and uh, make sure we hear from you. Drop yes, us a line at God Stories Radio at Gmail. And if you uh, want to email us, you can also what, Mikey? They can tweet us. They can tweet us on uh, Twitter, right. and then like us on Facebook. And then if they listen to us from iHeartRadio, please follow us on iHeartRadio. That's right. And you can also get us on Spotify now. Spotify. Spotify. And if you are a YouTuber or a Twitcher, we are now live on Twitch. You can go to Twitch and look up God Stories Radio and follow us on Twitch, and you'll be able to get the live. And then if you can't uh, sit in live, then you can um, get it on YouTube later after it's uploaded. And also, you can uh, get us on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com, uh, forward slash God dash stories dash radio. And you can listen live. Speaking of listen live, my buddy Tom is on with us tonight. Hey, Tom. Hope you're doing well, buddy. You're probably working right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> or on your way, anyway. Pulling those overnights. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you, uh, you know, tuning in with us. So, what else you got over there, Mikey? Well, just uh, we did the first part of our tax thing. Uh, we got our um, corporate papers done with uh, the IRS and uh, SunBiz, so that first half is done. The second half is the hardest. Yes, sir. Second half is the hardest. Uh, we have to file like the big boys. You know us. We don't, you know, uh, beg for money. But this time of year, the tax man cometh, and we have to file, like I said, like the big boys, and it's usually 300 plus dollars to, to file those taxes. So if uh, you're so inclined, just uh, go to godstoriesradio.com and you can give securely through PayPal. Just press the button and we appreciate it. That's all we're, I'm going to say about that. We're 501c3. 501c3. You betcha. All right. So we have a very special guest on the phone with us tonight, calling from California. California. That's right. And uh, sure I'm going to let you introduce her. Well, you know how we're always talking about uh, asking people to write in and let us know if they'd like to be a part of the show and uh, share their testimony. Well, this is a living example of that. So um, we were contacted by Miss Kenyon Gatlin and... Um, We've been conversing with her over the last week or so, and I'm really, really pleased um, to say that she's willing to share her testimony. And um, without any further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Miss Kenyon Gatlin. Hey, Kenyon, welcome to the show. Hey, Kenyon. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're welcome. Oh, it's a blessing. I think from what I heard that uh, you heard the God, uh, God's voice say something to you about giving your testimony. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll get started. So, first I just want to say that um, this is not my story. This is God's story, absolutely. Um, I know a show about... everything in my life. (laughs) Go ahead, ahead, Kenyon. I forgot. It's kind of delayed. So, (laughs) when you said it's God's story, I said, hey, I know a show like that, you know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You're hilarious. Hardy, har, har. (laughs) L-O-L. Oh my goodness. Well, like I said, yeah, so um, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, So I want to first start by saying that it's pretty much a miracle that I was even born. Um, Two years before I was born, my biological father was 
um, in a severe car accident, and a telephone pole had fallen on his head, um, and he was in coma for eight days, and they basically said that he would not live. Um, my grandparents were religious in some way, shape, and form, and they um, prayed Psalm 91 over him each and every day. Um, and on the eighth day, he woke up. And I say that because it has a significance in my story, the verse Psalm 91. Um, I believe that verse has led me through my life and has led me to my destiny. Um, so I go through that, and I, I am born, obviously. Well, I'm born into an apostolic Pentecostal church. My aunt and my uncle were um, pastors of this small church in Oklahoma, which is where I'm from. And my mom ended up falling away from the church. Well, when I was five years old, I believe God planted a seed in me, a desire in my heart to um, seek Him. And I was reading through, I just learned how to read in kindergarten, and I was reading through the newspaper because I was just so excited to read that I knew how to do something. It was awesome. And I was reading through, and there was an opening or an ad in the newspaper that said that um, there were openings at a Catholic school in the town that I grew up in in Oklahoma. And I'm like, Mom, I really want to go to this school. And, of course, I'm an only child, so my mom gave me everything I wanted, pretty much. She was an awesome mom and did everything for me as a young child, um, to a certain extent. So she enrolled me in this Catholic school, and I absolutely fell in love. I don't know if I was in love with, um, I don't really know what it was, but I just, I loved God. I know I loved God, and I was always so excited learning and going to religion classes, and I just always had this desire to learn more. Well, that desire grew to a point where I started to begin to ask questions, questions that were mainly things like, okay, I get that I understand that God is the God of everything, but if God is everything, who created God? And when I would ask these questions, my teachers and the, I guess you would say, elders of the church, um, they began to tell me that I couldn't ask those kinds of questions. If I asked those questions, that meant I didn't believe in God and basically told me never to ask those questions again. And so... I walked around with a lot of fear um, that, oh my gosh, if if I have these questions, I mean, I don't believe in God, and if I don't believe in God, where am I going to go to? So this fear just kind of built up in me, and I didn't ever have a way to express it or ask any questions because I was afraid to ask questions. So I still love God. I love going to church and learning. I mean, you learn all of the communion and the confession, and I went through all of my confirmation and everything like that, and it was never, I believe I had somewhat of a relationship with God, but it grew to a point where I was very um, religious and very, okay, we, we 
you pray this prayer, and you do it all the time, and you have the Stations of the Cross, and everything, none of it really made sense to me as I got older, and I knew that God was love and that Jesus was the Savior of the world. I knew that. I knew that he died on a cross, but I didn't know what it meant. And when I would ask questions, I was scared to ask questions. Um, so I just kept all of this inside. Well, as I got a little bit older, I started to see things in the church. Um, the priest actually was embezzling money from our church and ended up stealing all of the money and flying across the country and, like, leaving the church. And there was um, sexual abuse happening in the church and all of these just horrible, horrible things that I just couldn't wrap my mind around. Um, that these people were saying, you know, we're Christians, and but all this, these horrible things were going on. And at home, my... I had a lot of issues in my own home. My mom and my dad would fight, or my mom and my stepdad would fight all of the time. And my stepdad was an alcoholic, and um, my mom was actually addicted to prescription pills, and nobody knew about it. So I never really, I was always, I was an only child, so I was always kind of alone because, I mean, nobody would, my mom was always asleep because she was passed out from being high on pills and um, my stepdad was never around because he was always drinking and um, so I would just kind of hang out by myself and do things like that. Well, um, I was always very outgoing and I loved to be around people. I never met a stranger. I always had such a love for people. I always just loved everybody and I wanted everybody to have a friend. Well, um, some things started to happen in my life, and I was actually, um, I started to get molested by uh, a few of my cousins, guys and girls. And I hid that for a long time, and I tried to pretend like it wasn't happening, and I never told anybody because I thought that they would say that it was my fault that it was happening or that I instigated it in some way, and I kept it very much a secret, and I tried to act like it didn't bother me at all. But I think as I got down, like, I couldn't tell anybody because they just wouldn't listen to me, maybe, or I don't really know, but I, I always felt like maybe somebody should have noticed or stepped in in some way. I don't really know. But um, I ended up asking him to be, with all the things that was happening in my Catholic school, um, I asked my mom to just take me out of the school. I just didn't really like it anymore. I was scared to that I didn't believe in God and that I didn't just belong there. So I ended up going into public school and so I, I left the church. My mom and my dad weren't in church and they never were in church for the longest time. So um, 
fast forward about seven years old, the abuse is still happening, the sexual abuse is still happening, and my home life is getting worse because my parents are, my mom and my stepdad are just fighting constantly, and they get to a point where um, every year around April, they would split up, they would say, all right, I'm moving, and my mom would come and pick me up and um, tell me, like, rush me home and tell me, hey, you have to, got to pack everything, just throw everything that you have into a trash bag. Don't even take the hangers off of it. We have to go. We have to go because if your stepdad comes home, um, our things are going to be bad. So I always had this fear and anxiety inside of me, and it was, it was, terrifying and so I was like okay maybe we're getting away from this situation like maybe maybe I'm not going to have to deal with this anymore well around we would leave and around April my mom and I and we would move to my grandma's house and I'd have to switch schools at the very end of the year and I would have to make new friends immediately um and I would always be excited like okay I've met all these new friends I get to go to school with them next year and then my mom and my stepdad would reconcile their relationship and get back together um by the end of the summer around July and that happened consecutively every April like clockwork uh for about six years So it was very unstable. Um, and I had, I couldn't, I got to a place where I tried to, I had all this fear that I wasn't going to be able to control situations. I needed some type of stability in my life. So I started to come up with scenarios in my head of ways that I could control the situation. Maybe if I did this, and this and this or that it would change and it never did and it got to a point where fear was totally controlling but I didn't know it yet I didn't really know what was going on and I didn't tell anybody either um so I keep going like this and um I'm just very anxious all the time of I've got to plan every single thing out and plan every scenario that could possibly happen out in my head so that I have at least some control of the situation. Well, um, my mom and my stepdad end up getting divorced around the time I'm 12 and my stepdad's like, he, he then knows about my mom's Drug, drug addiction to her addiction to prescription pain medication. So my mom um, devises a plan with my real dad um, that, and mind you, I didn't have a real relationship with my real dad. It was very just he would call me every now and then um, and I would get, I would see him on Christmas and I would have to fly to wherever he was in the country and 
see him that way. So I did not have any kind of relationship with my dad. I didn't have any father figure in my life. Um, So my mom is really addicted to all of these pain medications, and she's a nurse, and she, or she was a nurse. She was an LPN, and she ended up losing her license because she stole um, pills from a nursing. Well, um, I didn't know any of that, but apparently my mom talked to my dad and basically was like, look, I can't take care of Kenyon anymore. I'm going to send her to live with you because I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm too strung out. I don't, I can't take care of her by myself. But she doesn't tell me I'm going to live with my dad. She tells me I'm going on vacation for a week to go see my aunt get married in South Carolina. So she packed me a bag and um, sends me on my way. Well, I only have clothes for a week because I'm thinking, okay, I'm on vacation. And, of course, she didn't tell me that I was moving because she knew that I would beg her to not let me, to not send me because I didn't know my dad at all. And I was going into my teenage years. I needed my mom. Um, so, again, I'm back at this. I get to South Carolina, and my dad's like, I'm so excited. Like, you're going to come live with me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't get this. Um, and I, at that point, I'm like, is this real? Did my mom really just, like, give me up? I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I felt very, very abandoned, and I would try and call my mom, and she wouldn't answer. She didn't answer one of my calls for maybe eight months, and I would try and call her every day. Um, so I end up, I'm back in this place where I'm like, wow, I'm not only abandoned, but I, I have absolutely no control over my life whatsoever. I and I'm terrified of what's going to happen next. Where what? I have no stability, and I don't really know my dad that well. So I'm just kind of going through the motions, and I end up um, in an all African American school, and I'm white as can be. Well, um, all of these people at my school are um, very, they had their their own issues that they were dealing with. And I was at a point where I just wanted to feel accepted by somebody. So I began to lie about who I was. Um, I figured, well, I probably won't be here for very much longer. I'll probably move somewhere else within a few months. Um, there's no telling. I'm pretty much just this disposable person to everybody around me. So, um, I just began to lie about who I was and I thought that that would, that maybe people would like me because obviously who I was wasn't enough for my own parents. So, um, I would just lie about literally everything. I mean, you name it, I would lie about where I lived who my parents were. I would just make up these scenarios 
of this fantasy life that I wanted to live in because mine sucked. And I started to experiment with things, not like, I just, I saw people in my school starting to, um, like, cut themselves and things, so I was like, you know what, maybe I'll try and do this. So, I started to cut myself, and that didn't really, I thought maybe I could get some attention that way, I don't know really what was going through my mind, um, but I thought maybe somebody would pay attention to me if I did it, and nobody did, so I just eventually stopped doing it. Um, and my dad lived with his parents. Uh, he didn't even have, he, he's disabled. So, um, he lived with his parents who were in the military. And that just was not the greatest situation all in itself. Um, I just felt very alone all of the time. And, um... Basically, I ended up, I wasn't allowed to talk on the phone for more than five minutes. I, and I would have to sit right in front of my grandmother to talk on the phone, uh, especially to my mom or any one of my family members back home. And eventually my mom did answer the phone. And I told her, look, I want to come home for um, the summer. And she finally agreed and basically what I did was I told my dad, um, hey, I'm just going back for the summer. Like, please get me, like, a round-trip ticket, and I'll go back. And But in my mind, I already knew I'm not coming back to live with you because I, I need to be with the family that I grew up with. This is, this is not working for me. I can't do this because I feel so alone out here. I don't, this is more than I can handle and I need my mom. So I get back to Oklahoma and things start going very much downhill at this point. Um, my, my mom ends up telling my dad, look, she's not coming back. She's going to live with me and my dad freaks out and basically tells me, like, he's done with me at that point. Um, it always came down to me, kind of. Well, at that point, my mom is still very much involved in drugs, and it gets to the point where she is selling these narcotics. And I am 14 years old at this point, and my... Mom ends up getting arrested and charged with unlawful delivery of a narcotic, and she's caught in this murder case. This kid had overdosed um, on the medications that my mom had sold, and it basically it all came back on my mom. I mean, there are myriad, there were a few people involved in that case, but it all, like, started with my mom. And so she ended up being charged with it. And in, I don't know if you're familiar with Oklahoma, but it's very small town life. So, I mean, news of something like that spreads like wildfire, especially because the kid who died, he had just graduated from high school and he was the star 
mm-hmm. athlete of the town. Wow. And that's the town that I'm going to school in and about to go into high school in. So at this point, I'm dealing with the fact, okay, I just screwed my dad over and lied to him and told him that I was coming back just for a visit and now my mom's in jail and I'm freaking out. Um, okay, where am I going to go? Because I know I'm probably going to go into foster care. So my grandma is, I believe that God put her in my life, um, that she is absolutely my angel from God because she ended up um, fighting for me. She fought to be my legal guardian. Um, I did have to go um, to court and fight against both of my parents to um, emancipate myself um, from them. And I, that was horrible in itself. And I ended up um, just living with my grandma. Well, at this point, um, my aunt and my uncle, like I had said, they were um, apostolic Pentecostal, um, and I would go visit them often and stay with them. And they would always take me to church, but I was never really interested. I kind of, I, like I said, I was turned off by Christians because of everything that I saw, and I thought they were very judgmental people. And I hadn't necessarily decided to stop believing in God, but... Um, I certainly didn't have any kind of relationship, and I didn't understand what it was all about. So, fast forward, I'm my aunt and my uncle buy me this Bible, and I'm like, why would you buy me this Bible? I'm never going to read this thing. Um, but they give it to me anyway, and um, so I start to, I open it, and I'm like reading through it, and I have all these questions, and I'm like, well, maybe I can ask my aunt or my uncle and they'll tell me. So I ask them these questions and they're basically like, we can't, we can't answer those questions. Like we don't know the answers. And I'm like, well, you follow God. Like, how do you not know the answers to these questions? I don't, I don't get it. So at this point I'm like, all of this is fake. You guys are just, this is, this is just something people believe in. This is all made up. So, at that point, I just said, you know what? I curse you, God. I don't I don't believe in you. I don't want anything to do with you. So I'm not going to do any more with this. And at that point, I just shut everything off. So I'm going through life, and I start. Um, my mom's in prison or jail at that time, and I meet this guy who is I start dating guys and I'm like okay maybe I can find somebody who will love me maybe a guy will love me so that led me into one of the worst relationships I could have been in with a total psychopath um and we ended up um ended up breaking my heart for some reason. I don't really know, but um, I started to just feel like, wow, am I just unlovable? 
and I get to a point where I'm going through high school and my mom, she ends up getting in this program and gets out for a little while. And she, there's all these rules. It's called drug court. So they have all these rules you have to follow in community service and things. And, um, like it's just, it, it would have been easy for her to complete it. She just wasn't in the place to complete it. And, um, ends up failing to do what she was supposed to do. And you have to sign into those things for a certain amount of years. Like if you don't complete the program, you have to go to prison for this many years. So that's what happened. Um, my mom got sentenced to 10 years in prison and I'm in high school. And I'm just, at this point I'm like, wow, I just, I don't even know what to do anymore. So, um, but I always had this, way of making friends with people and um, it was very easy to get along with I mean I never met a stranger which that can be a good thing and it was a very bad thing it turned out to be um, I started to um, hang out with I lived in a college town and my grandma I mean I loved her but I lied to her all of the time constantly about where I was going who I was hanging out with and she believed me because I don't know why maybe I'm just I was very good at manipulating people into doing and believing whatever I said and so I would lie to her and I would at the age of 15 I started hanging out with college people and I began to party and drink a lot. I hadn't really, I had tried, um, I had smoked weed before, but I never really, I never really liked it. And, but drinking was my thing. I loved to just party all the time. And I forgot about all my problems. I forgot about everything. And I was just always so happy and everything was great. And, that really started, uh, that was the first thing that, um, I believe that the enemy put in my path that he knew that I would, um, fall to. And I began to really just kind of spiral out of control. Um, I would party all night long with these people in college and then I would still wake up and go to school but my grades were terrible and I didn't care about anything except what am I going to do after tonight? What am I going to do when I get home? Uh, who am I going to hang out with? Uh, are we going to drink? Blah, blah, blah. And um, I ended up doing that for until I was about a freshman in college. I graduated high school by literally the grace of God. And, um, but I had this, I had developed this insane addiction to alcohol and I would drink and drive all the time. I had, I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about anybody else. Um, I just wanted to party because it was the only thing that fixed my problems. So I thought, um, well, I ended up. Um, getting a DUI 
um, which was really a wake up call to me. Um, it cost me about ten thousand dollars yeah. to get out of it, and um, but that wasn't that wasn't the end. Uh, I still, um, I believe, I had still a lot of this anxiety, and mind you, I didn't, or basically. What had happened, I had repressed all of the abuse as a kid, and it didn't, uh, I had repressed it for so long that it just was like wiped from my memory. I didn't remember any of it. And so I was about 19 years old, 20 years old, and uh, it came like a thief in the night and hit me. Um, but I get this DUI, and I start, um, I get this, awesome job at a casino and I'm like wow this is such a blessing that I get this job because I'm going to be making I made a lot of money as a blackjack dealer um, and it was amazing so I thought um, so I did this DUI and I stopped drinking immediately I'm like nope I can't do this anymore this has ruined my life I hate drinking and I want nothing to do with it ever again but I'm still not not answering God's call, his wake-up call, um, to get myself right, to truly get myself right. And so I start working in a casino, and I had never, I had gambled a little bit, but not, not to the extent that I was going to. And as I worked, and saw all of these people winning constantly. I, was, I got this idea in my head that, okay, you guys are winning. Um, I can win. And so I would go to the casino and I would win. I would win a lot. And that's, that's how it gets you. Um, you. That's how the addiction to gambling starts, is through winning. And I would, at first it was just here and there with a couple of people that I worked with and I thought, okay, this is all right. Like, I don't have a problem. I just, I gamble because I go with people from my work. Well, they were winning. And so I thought, you know, I have to keep pulling money out of the ATM. I got, I got to catch up. I got to get the money that I lost back. And it got to a point where I was going to work. I ended up paying the DUI off, but um, I began a new cycle, a new addiction to gambling. And basically, I would get off work every night. I worked overnight, and I would get off, and I would drive to the nearest casino because you couldn't gamble at the casino and that you worked at. You had to go to another one. And so I would drive however far I had to, and I would gamble all day long until I had to go back to work. And I would just continuously do this every day. And I did win for a while, and then eventually it got to the point where every bit of my paycheck was going to gambling, every bit of it. And I had nothing. I didn't have the money to pay for gas. I didn't have the money to pay for a place to live. I didn't have the money to um, do anything, really. 
and there was this guy who I had been dating off and on who I was completely and utterly in love with, obsessed with, um, who worked at the casino also, who got me the job there. And he was very, very, very bad news. Um, and he would be the main reason why my confidence um, was completely shot. He would cheat on me all of the time. And but I thought in my mind, I can change him. I thought, okay, he loves me. And nobody else loves me, but he he says all the right things. He's very wooing. And um, we work together. And so I'm like, okay, I have this addiction to gambling, but I don't think it's an addiction. And he likes to gamble too. And I was living in a different town than the casino that I worked in. And I had to drive all of the time to this job. So, but I didn't have the money anymore. So I was like, look, let me just move in with you. And we moved in together and we lived together for quite some time. And he ends up um, becoming a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, like I said, I didn't like weed. I didn't smoke weed or anything, but that's what he sold. And, um, so basically I was around it all of the time. And I would always get these weird feelings. Um, like something in me would tell me that I needed to leave the house. Um, and a couple of times that happened. Um, I, like, it was like we would break up or something detrimental would happen to where I would have to move somewhere else. I would have to physically move my things. And every time that that happened, it only happened twice in our relationship. But um, both of those times, he ended up getting raided. And... I I never really paid any attention to it. I didn't really, I didn't know that he had gotten raided until years later. Um, but every one of those times, it was God's protection over me, I believe, that he was yes, trying was. to give me a wake-up call to get out of this situation. Because he has plans for you. A purpose for me, yeah. So I'm going through this and I'm still not, I'm still giving this guy like everything. All of my happiness is in this guy. Every single emotion that I had, I mean, if if he didn't talk to me for days and days and days, which he did for like weeks at a time, I would just be like absolutely broken. Like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Oh my God, nobody loves me. I'm worthless like constantly and um, that it ended up waking me up whenever he got three girls pregnant at once yeah. and I was like okay this has got to end like this, I'm just an idiot at this point and um, so I ended up moving back to my hometown and getting an apartment and still working at this casino. And 
one day I wake up and all of a sudden I'm just like flooded with this overwhelming sense of panic and anxiety in a way that I had never felt before in my life. Like I couldn't physically get out of bed and everything like, like my eyes and my vision went completely blurry. I couldn't do anything. All I could do was lay on the ground and cry. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. I've never felt this before. And so I'm, but I'm terrified to take any medication because I, because my mom had been addicted to medication. So I'm like terrified. I don't want to become addicted to medication. And I always told myself, I will never do drugs like my mom. I will never and never say never because it will come back for you. Um, so I'm like overwhelmingly terrified. And my mom's out of prison at this point. And um, I'm just like, Mom, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Um, like, and she just tells me I need to go to um, a psychiatrist. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I can do this by myself. I can do this. I can shake this. Like, this is no big deal. Well, it gets worse and worse and worse to the point where I'm, like, I feel like I'm literally dying. So I start to drink alcohol again. Uh, I end up losing my job um, because I can't physically go to work anymore because I'm just overwhelmed with all of this fear. I can't even drive a car for some odd reason. Um, I'm just terrified of everything. I'm terrified I'm going to die. I don't, I'm just like freaking out all the time. And, um, so I lose my job and I start drinking heavily again and I end up, um, meeting this guy who was the best guy that could have possibly been in my life at the time. I mean, he had everything together, um, but, and he kept me from drinking. I mean, he stopped me from all of that, and he really helped me a lot. And I ended up moving in with him. Well, at this point, I'm still having so much anxiety that I get to the point where I'm, like, suicidal. So suicidal that I'm like, I I cannot keep living like this because my mind is so... I don't even know what's going on at this point. Like, I can't live like this anymore. And his dad had committed suicide. So he was very um, heartbroken by that and really, like, tried and tried and tried to, to help me and to um, get me the help that I needed. And But I was every day just like, I cannot shake this. I cannot get through this. And so I ended up waiting about a year and um, I start to I get a doctor, and I'm like, look, I'm having all of these symptoms. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't um, breathe. I can't do anything. Like, I'm just, this is awful. And um, so he ends up prescribing me um, some antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, and Xanax, but I, I told him I wanted a very, very small dose because 
I was terrified to take medication. And um, I remember I would just, like, sit in the shower and just, like, let the rain, like, the the shower just pour on me, and I would just weep and cry, but I wouldn't pray or anything like that. I would just be like, God, how did I get here? Why am I feeling like this? I don't, I don't understand this at all. I just feel so alone, even though I have all of these people around me telling me they love me and all of these things. I just don't get it. And I'm like, why can't I just be happy? I don't, I don't understand. Like, what is wrong with me? So, um... I end up, um, I'm with this guy, and I'm on these medications, and they're working a little bit here and there, and he wanted to marry me, and so, but we did everything backwards, and we were um, having sex before marriage, and I ended up getting pregnant, and... At this point, the doctors are like, you got to stop taking this, these medications. And I'm like, I can't stop taking these medications because it's the only thing keeping me from killing myself. And I'm like, I don't, I can't do this. I don't, I can't. So I, I try to wean myself off the medications and I end up, I'm, I get off of them and I'm so, so, so excited. I'm like, gosh, I finally have a reason to live. Like, I'm going to be a mom. This is going to be amazing. And I'm with this guy who's amazing, who I love more than anything. And he's never going to leave me now. We're going to have a child is what I'm thinking in my mind. I'm like, okay, finally, like, somebody's going to love me for the rest of my life. Mm. And I end up miscarrying. And at this point, I am just absolutely destroyed, devastated. Just, I can't even fathom what is happening around. Like, my whole life is falling apart, and I don't know why. And I'm just completely and utterly destroyed. And I can't pull myself out of this, and so I end up seeing a psychiatrist, and I'm like, look, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't. I can't face life anymore. I just, I really can't. Like, I literally want to kill myself every single day of my life. Every day I want to die. And so the psychiatrist was like, look, I think you have um, severe panic disorder and severe anxiety disorder along with PTSD and bipolar. Um, and basically diagnosed me with, like, seven different things. <laughs> And gives me all of this medication. And I'm taking, like, Clonopin and Xanax and Trazodone, like, sleeping medications because I can't sleep because I'm waking up having panic attacks in my dreams. Um, so, like, everything around me is just being distorted. I can't even, like, function at all without this medication. And I, he diagnosed me with ADHD, which he ends up giving me Adderall. So I'm taking all of these uppers, downers, um, mood stabilizers, like all of these, this mix of drugs together. And for a while, 
I I took them religiously, and I was like, okay, yes, finally, like, something works. I can do this. Like, I finally have some sense of life back. And um, I get back in school, and I'm doing well, and I'm like, finally, things are looking up. Well, my relationship started to fail at this point, and um, this was a couple months. It had been about two months after my miscarriage, and I'm like, finally things are going good. Well, my boyfriend at the time, he's like, look, I can't do this anymore, and I'm in the middle of a final in college, and he texts me, uh, Kenyon, we're losing and I'm like, you. We lost part of what wow. you said just now. Pardon? I said we lost part of what you said just now. There was um, like your phone went out. So you oh, were, you were in the middle the of the final. You were in the middle of the final, and you got a text. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, so I'm in the middle of a final, and he, um, my ex texts me and says, look, um, I can't do this anymore. I don't love you anymore. Um, so I've packed your stuff, and it's outside, and it's ready for you to pick it up like I'm done. And at this point, I'm like, wow, okay, um... I don't, I don't really know what to say at this point. And I'm like, and this fear and anxiety just sets in again. And I'm just like totally and completely destroyed. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so I end up, I start drinking heavily again, and I'm still taking all of this medication. Mm. And I'm like bargaining with him, like, I'm, I'm, I become that girl that's like, if you don't get back with me, I'm going to kill myself. But really, I'm like, I, I already want to kill myself no matter what. Um, like, I just, I couldn't comprehend that, like, this was over. And so I just kept, like, bothering him and texting him, like, please, just take me back. Like, I can change. I can change. Like, I can get through this. Um like, don't give up on me. I was just so tired of people giving up on me, everybody. And so one night, he ends up telling me, um, I mean, I had gone out with a friend, and I was drinking, and I had drank a lot. And I was already pretty drunk. And um, he tells me, look, I'm blocking your number. Um, don't. Don't ever contact me again. Like, I'm done. I'm sorry. I wish you the best at life, but I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, this is the end. This is it. Like, I'm, I'm done. Um, I can't do this anymore. So I just basically was like, look, I'll, all right, that's fine. Um, well, I'm done too, but I'm like, I'm done with life. So I go home. I tell my roommate I want to go to the bar, the local bar in town, um, after we leave this sports bar that I worked at. And we're watching a Thunder game or something there. And I'm like, look, I need to stop at the house to grab something. And I grab um, my pills. 
and I take them and I'm like, all right, this is like, and I'm just, I'm going to fade out. Um, this is going to be it. So I get to the bar and I start, I told the, um, the bartender I want like the strongest drink you have, just keep them coming, just keep coming. And I just turned 21 at this point. So I'm like really going hard at this drinking thing. Um, and I start taking these shots and drinking these mixed drinks. And I've taken all these Xanax and Clonopin and Trazodone and just a myriad of pills. And I'm just like, okay, this is it. And I end up blacking out and, um, falling off the bar stool and like passing out and hitting my head really hard on the concrete. And, um, I had sent out some texts to people just saying like, this is the end. Like it was nice knowing you see you later. Like I'm done with life. Uh, and I don't know if maybe I wanted somebody to, to like save me or come rescue me. I don't know really what I thought. I just, so many things were going through my mind and, um, so basically I end up, the ambulance ends up coming to the bar and I'm like, I'm completely just, I have alcohol poisoning. I'm OD'd, um, basically a lost cause. And I'm like, I guess I'm thinking, good, I'm dead. Like, this is it. And I wake up again. I wake up in the hospital and they're like, they had already gone through my phone and they knew that I, I had attempted suicide. Um, they had done the blood work and everything and, um, the doctors wanted to, um, put me in a mental institution. And, um, I had already struggled a lot, um, with, uh, anorexia in the past. Um, when I, was working at the casino. I wasn't eating every day and I ended up losing a lot of weight down to about 70 pounds. Um, cause I just thought maybe if I was skinny, somebody would like me. And then like all these, I just was so self-absorbed, like me, 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 like what about me? And, um, so my mom ends up telling the doctor, like, no, we're not going to put her in a home, but I'm going to take care of her. Like, I'm going to make sure she sees a psychiatrist and she gets on the right medications and she's going to get through this. Like, because I'm, I'm terrified to go into a mental institution because of everything you hear. Um, and basically, I, um, I get out and I'm just completely destroyed and I end up dropping out of college and, um, I'm like, I can't live in this town anymore. I have to leave. Like there's nothing left for me here. So I move to Oklahoma city and I, um, start taking all of these medications again and I feel great. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Um, I'm high on all these medications and 
I was just trading addiction for addiction, like just hopping from one thing to another, just destroying mm-hmm. my life little by little by little. And that's how the enemy does it. He doesn't destroy you all at once. He does it little by little by little. And, um, but I don't believe in God at this point. So I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in any of that. Um, so I start, uh, I start working a new job and I'm like making okay money. I'm working as a waitress, but I'm not really doing anything at all. And, um, some people at my work um, start smoking pot, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can just start smoking pot. Maybe I, it just wasn't for me back then. And it used to make me, like, really paranoid and anxious. Like, I used to have a lot of anxiety whenever I would smoke it, so I, that's why I didn't, didn't want to do it. But I'm on all these medications now, and I don't have anxiety. So I start smoking weed all the time, like constantly. And at first it was just like, I'm not addicted. I just, I do it every now and then with some people. But then it was to the point where all of my money, everything that I had was going to weed just constantly. I lived in Oklahoma, a place where you can't smoke weed. Um, if you even get caught with a little bit, I mean, you're going to prison. I mean, it's a felony. So, I, I'm smoking weed all the time and I just like do not care at all at this point. I'm living not even paycheck to paycheck, just like scrounging up quarters to buy weed. Like I'm at the lowest point of my life, the lowest point. And I am just caught, like I'm just engulfed in all of these addictions and getting to the point where I don't, I lose my health insurance. So I'm losing the access to the, um, psychiatric medication. And it's really the only glue that's holding me together at this point. And I, so at that point I lose my insurance and I can't see my psychiatrist anymore. So I'm back to, living in this constant state of anxiety, just like buying little by little by little. And I'm like, it dawns on me, which I know now is it was God. Um, well, back up to the guy that I dated, um, that I almost had the baby with. He already had a child and, um, we went to visit her in Tennessee for her birthday and her mom was in a Pentecostal church and she was like, you guys should come to church with us. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Like I just met you. I'm trying to be nice. So I'll go to church and I'm having all of this anxiety at this point. I'm not on medication. So I'm like absolutely broken inside. This is God like saying, okay, like I'm here, I'm here. And um, this, I'll never forget this. I'm sitting there and like, I feel the presence of God. I do, but I don't know what it is. I don't, you know, whenever you get like the goosebumps and you feel the warmth inside of you, whenever the Holy Spirit is like falling on you mm-hmm. and, but I'm not recognizing it. I don't know what the Holy Ghost is. I don't know what it is at that point. 
Um, so I'm just like ignoring it. And this preacher, um, he's, he does an altar call. Or no, I don't think he did an altar call. He's in the middle of preaching and he's like, somebody in this room is dealing with so much anxiety and just is breaking in half and feels like they're dying and has com- tried to commit suicide and just is on the verge of committing suicide and all of these things. And I'm like, I'm like, my eyes are, I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping. But I'm like, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how he, I'm, I'm not registering any of this at this point. Um, and then he comes up to me and he's like, he doesn't say anything about the anxiety, but he just said, look, um, if you keep going on the path that you're going, you're going to end up in hell. And then just walks away. And I'm like, well, that was rude, first of all. Mm. I don't even know you. <laughs> I've never been here. So um, that's just that's very, very rude of you to say. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to church. What is wrong with this situation? So um, anyways, I get, um, I lose this medication, this psychiatric medication, and um I'm back in this state of anxiety, but I'm like, we, maybe it'll help me. I mean, people say it's good for anxiety, um, and it helps me a little bit. So, I mean, if anything's helping me a little bit, maybe I'll just stick with it. So, fast forward, I end up um, getting kicked out of the house that I live with because I can't pay my rent because I'm spending all of my money on weed. And I end up um, losing my car. But somehow I end up getting another one. I end up able to get a job, and um, I actually got a really good job as this working for these three newspapers, and I'm managing these newspapers, and I'm doing really well. And um, but I'm still smoking weed all of the time, and um, I'm working at that job when I get kicked out of the place that I lived at because I was smoking so much weed and I end up having to move an hour and a half away from my job. But I'm like, okay, I'll just drive back and forth every day. So I'm getting, I'm smoking weed every single second of every day at this point. Like you could not catch me without weed. Like I'm just engulfed in it. And, um, Basically, I'm not, I'm not doing well at all. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating because I'm just like filled with this anxiety and panic. I mean, just constant panic attacks. I can't do anything. And, um, I ended up losing that job and getting this job selling these vacuums door to door. But, the owner of the company that I'm working for, he um, he was a Christian man, and he had um, he had started to talk to me about God, and he was like, um, "Listen, like you should download this Bible app, and I'm going to start sending you scriptures. Like I believe that that there's there's something really really special about you. I believe that, and I believe that God has a lot of plans for you." And I'm like, man, I don't even believe in God. I don't know what you're talking about. But um, I started, I downloaded the Bible app anyway, and 
I had started to, as I was going through this, I began to start praying. Um, just ask, I didn't believe in God, but I was like, you know, maybe, maybe there's something. So I would pray every night, um, not really for myself, just I would pray for my family because I just was so scared that my family was going to be taken away from me and that I was going to lose everything. And um, so I'm praying and I'm, I'm liking these Bible scriptures and stuff. And I'm like, you know what, I'll just, I'll go to, I'm, I'm Catholic. And I'm like, you know how it is whenever you're Catholic, you're like, you have to be Catholic. You can't convert to anything else. So I'm like, I'm Catholic. If I am religious, if I do know God, I guess I'm Catholic because I was baptized that and just don't know anything about God or Jesus or anything at all. So basically I am, I'm going to church um, on Sundays, but I'm not, not feeling anything. I'm not like, this is not, this is, I don't feel anything. I don't know anything about a relationship with God. I don't know anything. Um, and I don't feel very welcome here. I don't, like, this is just not the place for me. So I stopped going to church. I had been going for maybe like four or five Sundays. And I'm like, this is just not for me. Um, but I'm still praying. And um, I end up... Um, meeting, I end up having to go live with my grandma again, and my, um, I'm working at this vacuum place, and I'm doing really well, or so I thought I was doing well, but, um, I end up meeting this new guy, and he is a drug dealer. Well, he has a, he had a girlfriend and they lived together. They had just moved to Oklahoma from Arizona. And, um, basically he, um, he started to have feelings for me and I started to have feelings for him and he ended up breaking up with his girlfriend, but he lived at the same apartment complex that my grandma lived at. And I'm at this point still dealing with so much anxiety and he has all of these connects to get like Xanax and Adderall and I'm like I need those like I was prescribed those so I need them to get me through so I'm hanging out with him and he's just bad news and his girlfriend was like super in love with him well she finds out that or he basically kicks her out um, and he's like look I'm going to be with her now and she, she had just picked up her whole life and moved to a different state for him. And um, so she's not having it. And she comes and she, um, like, we end up not fighting, but um, almost fighting. And the cops get called, like, four nights in a row to this apartment complex. And um, it's always the same people. And so the landlord ends up um, banning them from the apartment complex and then tells me I have to move out, that I can't stay there anymore. And I'm like, well, my grandma's all I have left, and I don't know. I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm broke. I have no money. I don't know what's going on at all. Um, 
I have nothing. And she's like, well, you have to go. You can't stay here. I'm like, okay. So I'm scrounging around. Um, and me and this guy are still talking. And I'm like, look, maybe, um, maybe we can move to a different state. I'm like, I have all these plans to like sell weed and, um, like grow. I have these dumb plans, but I'm going to start my own grow operation or something. And he's like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And so we're like, okay, let's go to Colorado. And then I'm like, no, I don't really like the cold. So let's go to California. And he's like, do you know anybody in California? And my uncle had moved out here quite a while ago. And, or he's actually my cousin, but I had never met him before in my life ever. Uh, I just, he was like a second cousin. And so my grandma ends up calling him and is like, Hey, um, tells him the situation and, um, it's like, he basically says, yeah, you can come live out here for a little while, but you need to get your life together. And I'm like, okay, yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to go out there. It's a promise land. Everybody wants to move to California. Um, and, but I'm not really getting what's happening. And, um, so I have a week to get out there and everything starts falling apart. Like the car I was going to rent, um, like you had to have, um, a debit card to get it. And when you got out there, um, like all of these things, like all of these problems started to arise. And I know now that that was the devil trying to keep me from coming out here and getting to where God wanted me to be. So, um, Hey Kenyon, I, yes. You have a pretty extensive past. I mean, we're just blown away by all the, all the things that you have. Oh. What overcome in your lifetime what she's been through throughout her whole life unbelievable unbelievable and we were just wondering kind of you know one of the one of the points we like to get across here at god stories radio is what was the two by four upside your head or what was the, yeah. the baseball bat from from the lord that made you come back to him i mean it's pretty apparent what you went through with with struggles uh through your life but you know fast forward to present day and and tell us what how God ones. found you and, and, yeah. uh, and what you're doing now. Um, okay. So fast forward, I, um, I end up moving to California. I have to, um, pack. I can only take one suitcase. So I have to give everything that I have away and, um, just get on a Greyhound and leave Oklahoma. I don't have any other choice. Um, and the Bible that my aunt had given me, um, eight years ago, I, for some reason decided maybe I'll take this with me. I don't know why, but I'm going to take it with me. So I packed the Bible and I end up, um, getting to California and my uncle and his wife are like, if you're going to live here, you have to go to church. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to go to church, but I live here and I don't have a choice. So um, I start going to church and I started to get that feeling again, like the, the heat inside of me and feeling the goosebumps and feeling 
something. And I'm like, I like this feeling. And I feel like the preacher is talking like directly to me. I feel like everything that he's saying is directly pointed towards me. And I'm telling my aunt that, and she's like, that's God. Like, that's God talking to you, like calling you home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I don't get any of this. I don't know what this means. And she's like, have you, have you been baptized? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Catholic um, and all this stuff. Well, um, basically, I end up about three weeks after I moved out here. I had been going to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, and I really was like, I really liked it, and I was getting this feeling inside of me, and I just felt like something was drawing me, like, to this place, and, but none of it really made sense, Um, and then the pastor starts talking about baptism and repentance and the Holy Ghost, and I'm like, what is this that you guys are talking about? So I start asking questions, and my aunt's like, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. And I'm like, what? I don't get this. And she's like, yeah, you can be saved. Like, you can, like, all you have to do is ask. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And the pastor starts talking more about baptism and repentance. And I'm like, man, this this sounds really amazing. I would, like, I didn't really get it that much. Um, I'll admit that. But... I I liked the idea of it, and so I learned about repentance, and I was, like, confessing my sins and, like, severing the cords to saying, look, I'm turning away from this. I'm not going to live this life anymore, and I really meant it in my heart. I really wanted to change, but I didn't know how, and I was still smoking pot and smoking cigarettes and I wasn't drinking or anything like that, but I just still had these things in my life that I just, I couldn't handle by myself. And I end up, I get, I get baptized and after that, like the day after something happens, like something like breaks inside of me and I have, I'm like, I'm never going to, I can't smoke weed anymore. And I don't even have the desire to smoke cigarettes anymore. I just like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, I'm done today. Like I'm never going back. And God, I believe God put the, took the desires to do those things away from me. I know that he did. And, um, I kept going forward and going forward and I kept feeling something like something more is happening. And the pastor would do the altar calls and like come and pray over people, like put his hands on them. And I would feel something in my throat and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't want to ask a question. I was like, I don't know what this this feeling is. And, um, so I ended up asking my aunt and she's like, that's, that's the Holy Ghost inside of you. It, like, wants to take control over your tongue. Like, you want to speak in tongues. And I'm like, no, that's crazy. Like, people who speak in tongues are, like, demonic from what I've heard. <laughs> and um, I end up, I'm like, okay, 
that if that sounds cool, I get over the idea that it's a terrible thing. She's, and they start telling me, you know, like it's a gift from God. Like it's a gift and you can have it. Anybody can have it. All they have to do is ask and want it. And I'm like, well, I want it. Like if everybody else has it, I want it. I want to be closer to God. Um, if I, what I thought of him, I guess at this point, I still don't have very much of a foundation to land on. I'm like, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died, but I'm like still not there yet. And I haven't totally surrendered my life to him, like totally and completely yet. I'm still holding on to a lot of my own pride Mm -hmm. and trying to do things my own way. It's a tough thing to do yep, to totally do surrender. It. That's for sure. Yes. And um, I end up going to the altar. I pray and I ask God, like, look, I want to speak in your heavenly language. I want to be closer to you. I want to know you like you know me. I want to be close to you. I just, I don't know how to do any of this. And I end up going to the altar and just crying and weeping and my knees started to get weak and I ended up like falling to the ground. My knees just like buckled out from behind, like from underneath me and just falling to the ground. And I just weeped and weeped and weeped and was filled with the Holy Spirit that day and began to speak in tongues. And that was in December. And at that moment, fire just got like placed inside of me to learn more to do and see and be more for God and at that point I just began to immerse myself in the Bible and just praying and worshiping and it is it has been the most incredible thing to not only be delivered from all of the drugs and the smoking and the drinking, but to not even have the desire in my heart to do it. But it was like God severed the anxiety when I, when I gave my life to him, I didn't, I didn't have this fear anymore. This anxiety, it didn't feel me anymore. And it was just the most incredible thing in the world. And I just, I want everybody to know that if you are dealing with that, if, if that is something that you're dealing with, that you can come to God and ask him to help you with it. And he will. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yes. He will come. Wow. What probably said, uh, Kenyon probably had enough. He's, she's had enough in her life. And it's time for me to step in. He put the proper roadblocks in there and uh, mm-hmm. made it happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, what a testimony. I mean, what you've been through in your life, Kenyon, oh my goodness. Yeah. I I just... Uh, wow. I mean, I'm just taken back. Mm-hmm. I thought I had it bad. Wow. <laughs> I'm not complaining anymore. No. Holy wow. smokes. Wow, Kenyon, thank you so much well, for sharing your story. Absolutely. Kenyon, I just wanted absolutely and I just wanted to say a couple of things because I think it's important in your story. Um you mentioned that the church had hurt you in the past. And that's something that's very common 
that people experience. And I just want to encourage people out there that if a church has hurt you before in the past or people that go to the church, you have to learn how to forgive that. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn how to move past that because, you know, a, a church is just like anywhere else. It's filled with hurt people. It's filled with broken people. And nobody is beyond sin. And just because they are a pastor of a church or, you know, they might be a deacon or what have you, just because they have a position in the church, it doesn't absolve them from being able to be human. No. And, um, you know... We all need Jesus. We do. And... One thing our pastor always says is that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because, you know, Kenyon sort of felt that cycle continuing on and on in her life from people that she loves. So her mom has a hurt in her life that she's been dealing with. And so she turned to drugs, prescription drugs in mm -hmm. order to deal with it. But really, the only prescription we all need is Jesus. Amen. Preach it, sister. <laughs> and then same thing for Kenyon. Kenyon found the solution. You know, the only solution is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our hope. And yep. he is the only thing that's real and mm -hmm. that will can truly change a person's life from the inside out. Yes. And if I don't know. I'm sure you thought of it, Kenyon, but, you know, Father was tapping you on the shoulder back at that other church when the pastor came up in front of you and started, first off, started to preach that uh, someone was in here with anxiety and looking to kill themselves and so forth, and then walked up to you. He was told to do that, and that was Father tapping you on the shoulder. Hello, Kenyon, I'm looking for you. <laughs> Sometimes he's got to deploy the I rudeness know. to get our attention, doesn't he, Mikey? Right, I, well, when, <laughs> he got, when he got a hold of me, I do. I look back and saw those certain spots in my life that he was tapping me on the shoulder, and I ignored it. Yep. And, you know, Kenyon, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that, you know, you talked a lot about fear and anxiety mm -hmm. and panic attacks and so forth. And I think that's so relevant today because I hear so many people um, talking about how they have so much anxiety, how they have so much fear, how they have so much built up inside of them, and they have no way of coping with this. But, you know, right. Jesus is the one that is, you know, he's the calm in the midst of the storm. He's the prince of peace. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our enemy, Satan, he's the one who brings fear. You know, he's the father of fear. <laughs> and so right. those are all attacks from the enemy. And I find it not to be coincidental that no. once you found Jesus, you found your peace. Amen to that. Amen, Amen to that. Yeah, and I don't want I don't want people to think that, I mean, as soon as you come... Because I'm, I'm grateful for everything that God allowed me to go through in order to get to the point to where I am now. Praise to get the Lord. To, to mm -hmm. being who I am in Christ and trusting Him, trusting Jesus every single day. Um, and I don't want people to think that, I mean, as soon as you become a Christian and you get baptized and all these things happen, that those 
everything, that nothing bad happens to you ever oh, again. Oh, no. The Bible does say it, and it quotes it, that you he, will have trouble. Yeah, he knows. Yep. What was that? The Bible does say that it plainly that you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Yes. Absolutely. And I I still have anxiety sometimes, but I'm learning, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and the enemy, he knows the things that, he knows how to attack you. Yes, he does. He knows the things that you, just, you have to surrender to God and let him take care of it all because he loves all of us and he has called all of us. We're all his. You just keep filling yourself up. He does not up. want us to feel that way. Right. You keep filling yourself up with the word of God and then that anxiety and that fear will not be able to stay. There's no nope. way. The more and more you fill yourself up, you know, and maybe it will take years or maybe it'll take months. Who knows? Um, but the right. Lord has a plan, you know, and like you said, his plan is individual for everyone. He, he chose to work quickly with you. He might not work so quickly with somebody else That's because right. there's more that they have to learn. But everybody right. is individual and special to him, and he has a plan for each one of them. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite illustrations about the Lord is that he's like a he's like an artist, you know, or a painter. You know, he grabs a little bit of this color and a little bit of that color and a little bit of this, and he brushes it on where he wants it. You know, and it's like that with our personalities, and it's like that with our problems as far as how he chooses to remedy them. Everyone's a unique, original piece of art. Mm-hmm. Some of us more unique than others. <laughs> All right, man, that was uh, session 152. Yes, it was. Man, Mark, you sat in on a good one tonight, didn't you? I sure did. Man, great to have you. Kenyon, thank you once again for just uh, pouring out your heart. Amen. My goodness. What, what, a, wow. what a story. Really. I mean, again, if I, I'm not going to complain anymore what I went through. Nope. Well, wow. anyway. I think the best news, Kenyon, is that you know the Lord, and we're just overjoyed for you in that very fact. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Absolutely. I'm so grateful to, to know God, and I just I can't wait to see what all he has. Well, keep us updated, Kenny. Yeah, really. And maybe you can do a part two sometime. Yeah. And if yeah. you have a testimony out there all you right. want to share, get in touch with us at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com right. or on and Facebook. Kenyon, this, and- this testimony here by Kenyon is she was one of our listeners and she followed through on our request. Yeah. And she's pushed the button a couple of times and we, uh, oh. we really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Even those... The little gifts, they add up, man. Uh-huh. They really do, you know. And just her willingness to share her heart. I know her testimony is going to reach a lot of oh, people. Oh, sure. Oh, you Absolutely. Bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us. Uh, thank you, everybody on Mixler tonight. I see Janelle up there, and uh, let me see. Matthew's with us. Um, thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. You sure dialed into a good one. So that about wraps it up for session 152. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. You went down one of those roads. 
Nobody should have to go Life sure got real, real fast You couldn't see your way out Your world was under a cloud All you could feel was helpless You didn't think you could do it Finally facing the sun Your brighter days have been